You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello there, everybody. Yes, sound out the trumpets. Bang the drums. Pull out the stopper. Let's have a whopper. At Burger King, try the all-new Halloween Whopper, dripping with A1 sauce, right now for a limited time, only at Burger King. But get me to the church on time. Totally inappropriate song lyric for this particular occasion. Welcome, one and all, to the return of Attaboy Clarence, episode 90, the great-grandmother of episodes, the atomic number of thorium, the minutes in a football match, The number of real hairs Donald Trump has left. That's right, just 10 episodes to go. Until the big 100 baby. Can you believe it? Attaboy Clarence is almost 100 episodes old. And it only took 100 years to get there. So unimpressive. Almost as unimpressive as this song. Where there's life, there's fun. Told you. At a concert or a show in your own backyard, wherever you go, what like your beer and pop-ups to know where there's life. Thank you. Yes, we get the picture. Well, what a show I have for you. Any more? What a show today we... What a show today. We're going to take a dive into the full-to-bursting question pot. Suki's going to drop by to say hello and cover our lives in hair. It's an unfortunate side effect of being a hairy animal, I'm afraid. I have reviews of... I have reviews of two movies starring two of Hollywood's most formidable stars. I have announcements to make. I have a classic radio episode for you. I have a competition. Goodness gracious me. I'd better go and fan myself with a fan and calm down while you listen to Benny Goodman.
Benny Goodman there with Sing, Sing, Sing. Before we blast off into the episode proper, just time to tell you that a new edition of The Dark Pages is out. This month, Karen Burroughs Hansbury and her team take a deep dive into subjects such as pretty boys in noir, political themes in noir, there's a look at a rare noir from Hammer Studios, there are listings for the noirs on TCM, a glance at what's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD, you know the score by now. If you like your shadows long and your femmes fatal, then you owe it to yourselves to grab the latest copy of The Dark Pages. Just go to www.allthatnoir.com. They'll even give you a free copy to try out. Talking of free stuff, how would you like to win some movies? I have the Audrey Hepburn collection here on DVD, and I'm giving it away to one lucky winner. So the movies in this box are Paris When It Sizzles, Roman Holiday, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Sabrina, and Funny Face. Quite a nice selection then. If you don't have many Audreys on your shelf, it's a very nice way to get started. And as a bonus, I'm going to throw in a copy of her 1956 film, War and Peace. So six Audrey movies. All I want you to do is go to the competition page at attaboyclarence.com where you'll find a blurred out picture of one of Audrey's most well-known co-stars. Simply identify this person and send your guess using the form you'll find below the image. To make things faster, I've put a link to the competition page in the show notes of this episode. So pause this now and go straight there. I'll draw the winner in the next fortnight. A very quick hello to my fellow pod pals who convened upon my new home a few weeks ago. It was lovely to see you all. We had representatives from the Stinking Paws and Rainbow Valley and Rated H and anywhere but here. Lovely chaps. It really is turning into an annual jamboree. And a special thank you to Mr. Ben Taylorson, who brought with him the gift of several vintage books on the subject of classic cinema. He liberated them from his library when they were destined for the incinerator. At least that's what he told me. If the police suddenly arrive and demand to search my new residence, then I'll know he was lying. I'll also know that Ben is the least impressive cat burglar in the country right now. Okay, a bulletin to tell you about. For those of you who don't know, I can finally reveal just where on earth all those Secret History of Hollywood episodes have been hiding. Yes, the Secret History of Hollywood was acquired by Audible back in 2016, and all the older shows have been serialized and remastered and are now enjoying a very successful life over at Audible as part of their fabulous audio shows service. It also gives me all kinds of thrills to be able to tell you that if you go there, you will find a complete 15-part secret history series that was never released on the main podcast entitled Audrey, The Girl Before the Girl, which tells the incredible story of Audrey Hepburn's early life before she became the icon we all know today. So anyway, yes, if you've been curious about all the missing shows, there's your answer. And talking of answers... Maybe you have a question. Well, throw it into the question pot. Strangely, there is no next line. Well, maybe I'll read your question out on the show, or maybe not. Now, here's someone with a handbell. Yes, take my hand and in we dive to the overflowing question pot that you faithful people have been filling to the brim since I last spoke to you. Okay, so the first query is from Mara. Who writes, Hi, 
I've been catching up on some of your earlier episodes, and I loved the episode about Ronald Coleman. I particularly liked the show The Halls of Ivy, and have been looking for a good podcast that I can download to my phone to listen to more episodes. But I can't find one. Do you have any suggestions? Merci. Well, Mara, I don't know if there's ever been a podcast devoted to the Halls of Ivy, but here's how I listen to them on my phone, and I've listened to them hundreds of times. Set yourself up a Google Play Music account where they let you upload songs for free to your music account, and then you go to archive.org slash details slash O-T-R-R underscore halls underscore of underscore ivy underscore singles. Then what you do is download all the episodes to your computer and then upload them to your Google Play account. Then you use the Google Play app on your phone to listen to them. You can even download them for offline listening. Happy listening, Mara. They're pretty effing wonderful, I have to say. Next question I found a lion in the pot is from Emma. No surname, unfortunately, but Emma nonetheless, who writes, Hi there. Firstly, I just wanted to thank you for your lovely slice of audio heaven. I haven't been well lately, and listening to Attaboy Clarence never fails to make me feel better. It's like a warm, bubbly bath for the ears, so thank you for that. Thank you, and thank you for letting me into your ears. One thing I've wanted to ask you is advice for watching classic films on a budget. I'm subscribed to a couple of streaming services, but money is tight. Any ideas? Much love to you and yours. Give Suki a pat on the head for me. Okay, classic movies on a budget are fairly simple. Firstly, YouTube, and make sure you use the sidebar as much as possible. For example, if you search for James Cagney full movies, you'll get White Heat, The Roaring Twenties, Kiss Tomorrow Goodbye, Great Guy, Johnny Come Lately, loads of them. And when you click on one of those, you'll see dozens of other movies on the right-hand sidebar, so keep clicking and finding more. If you want the slightly more specific movie, I have a very new and very valuable tip for you all, though. Search on Google for any movie you want, such as The Thin Man, but after your search, put OK.RU. So for The Thin Man, you would search for The Thin Man OK.RU. Nine times out of ten, you will find the movie you want. So pretty much any movie you hear about on this show and want to see, do this trick. Search for the movie title on Google, and then after its name, put OK.RU. And here you are, Suki. Here's a pat on the head from Emma. Excuse me, I only accept cats on the head from people with surnames. What is this person's surname? I don't know, she didn't put it in the message. Then you may keep your cat on the head. Anyway, I have had a lot of ideas in my head lately, so I don't want you to shake any of the ideas out of my head when you put a cat on me. You know, ideas don't fall out of your head when your head moves. Don't they? Well, what is it that falls out of my ears, then? I don't know, but th that's pretty hideous. Do you want to hear my latest idea? Not really. So my latest idea is that you know how I only get biscuits to eat and they're very dry and crunchy and they always taste the same every day of my life? Yes. Well, I've decided that from now on I will eat steaks and chickens and melons and ice creams and marmite and all the things that you eat and you can eat biscuits, always biscuits. And we'll see how you like it. I'll tell you what, that's a deal. Is it? Yep. But seeing as how you're eating all the nice food now, you should take over buying it, too. But I don't have any human money with which to buy the food. Well, you'll just have to use something else instead of money. 
You mean I will have to give all that I own in exchange for some food? Yeah. What exactly do you own? I have a tennis ball. Right. And a football. Okay. I would give both of my balls for a little food, I would. You should definitely see if that works at a supermarket. All right, I will then. Okay, well, on to another question Excuse then. Excuse me, but can you take me to the supermarket? Not right now, no. Oh, please. I can't, I'm doing this. I would give both of my balls if you would take me to the supermarket. Later. What is a supermarket? I'll explain it later, okay? I would give both of my balls if you would explain what a supermarket is right now. On to another question then. Well, kind of a question, but also kind of the most awesome thing ever. This email came from Karen Carey not one week ago. Karen writes, Hi, Adam. Such fantastic news that you revealed on Patreon this week. To mark the occasion, here is a little congratulatory message from lovely, lovely actress Barbara Ewing, who played Xena in 1968's Dracula Has Risen from the Grave, whom I've been working with all day in the studio. Check this out. Canterbury. Boom! It's slowly going viral, everyone. There are horror icons now doing the old Canterburying. Let's have the Barbara ewing again, shall we? Canterbury. Superb. Thank you so much, Karen. But there's more. Karen continues. One for the question pot. Ever thought about doing the odd video podcast? Really enjoying your interviews with Brooke Darnell. Could just see you with a sofa full of guests slash old-time cinema historians slash fans. Would be fantastic. Incidentally, is Brooke any relation to actress Linda Darnell? From Karen. Well, Karen, firstly, thank you for the congratulations about the Patreon announcement. More on that in a moment. Secondly, my stars, Barbara Ewing, be still my beating heart. And what a voice. Thank you so much for legitimizing the Canterbury's and for bringing the delightful Miss Ewing into the fold. Hello to you, Miss Ewing. So honored. As to your question, Karen, who knows? Maybe YouTube will be something I'll do one day. I would say that Brooke is definitely video material. (laughs) but I am not so much. And as far as I know, she is no relation to Linda Darnell. Although, Brooke, if you are, please let us all know. I have to say, Brooke and I are currently in the process of producing something rather exciting. More news on that soon. But suffice to say that Brooke is becoming something of a superstar in her own right. A quick tip of the hat to you, Mr. Delaghi. Okay, on to today's final question pot query. This one is from Lindsay Post and reads as follows. Hi, Adam. Thank you for making these absolutely splendid podcasts. Thank you, Lindsay. I know that they must take a lot of time and energy, and I really appreciate your hard work. With that said, I was curious if you've been able to quit your day job yet, so all of us lovely listeners can have your hypnotic storytelling in our ears all the time. Well, I won't lie to you. I've already answered this question on Patreon. In fact, this is the thing that Karen was referring to in her email, but it's finally time to announce it to you guys too. Since 2016, I've been trying incessantly, as you know, to build a Patreon campaign. At every available opportunity, I've been trying to rope you listeners in to supporting these shows, Attaboy Clarence and The Secret History of Hollywood, by chipping in a small amount each month via Patreon so that I can stop working as a chef and do this full-time, namely producing podcasts and everything related to them. 
Now, I set myself a target, a minimum amount that I would need in order to pay the bills each month and live very frugally. And as of last week, I was at 98% of that goal, so ever so slightly short. But I thought to myself, what the hell is 2%, right? I mean, if I suck in my gut a lot and turn off the house lights, then I should be able to manage this. Let me tell you quickly about my job as a chef. I work there a lot. I'm there six days a week, sometimes for 14 hours a day. That leaves me 10 hours in which I have to research and write and record and create both of these podcasts and sleep. And it is punishing. Sometimes I sleep for three or four hours a night before it all starts again. But I'm following my dream because making these shows is what I love doing. I love it. I cannot adequately express in words what this means to me. To even come close to doing this for a living is beyond aspirational. It is literally my dream. I want it more than anything. I love to write. I love to create. I love to put these things into the world. And I love that you people love them in return. There is no feeling like it. (laughs) This is terribly long-winded, I know, but this is huge. And so I apologize, but I have to tell you the whole thing. So since February of 2016, I've been trying to hit that target, to get to that point where my dreams come true. I get to devote my life to making these shows, not one day a week, but every day. And last week, 2% away, I thought, you know what, that is close enough. And so, listeners, thanks to the unbelievable generosity and kindness of the 490 and counting of you, who've taken the time to sign up as a patron and co-producer of my podcasts. I am overwhelmed with happiness to be able to tell you that my dream has come true. Last week, I gave notice at work, and making podcasts is now my full-time job. (laughs) Do you want to know what the craziest part of all this is, though? After I'd announced this last week on Patreon to all the incredible people who did this for me, who'd gone that little bit further already, they then began in their dozens, to up their pledges. I mean, you wouldn't believe it. Not only did the new patrons arrive by the hour, but the stalwarts, the ones who'd already seen to it that the target was hit, began to increase their pledges so that I'd be okay. It's very, very difficult to put into words my feelings at seeing this happen. You know my favourite movie is It's a Wonderful Life, right? You know that moment when George Bailey stands there and the entire town fill his living room and begins celebrating and showering him with riches so that he'll be okay? I got to live that exact feeling last week and I'll never, never be able to thank you enough, patrons. Thank you so much. Thank you from the bottom, top and sides of my heart for making this come true for me. I will not let you down. You're going to get the best podcasts in the world for your investment. I swear it. Now, this doesn't mean that Patreon is closed for business now. Far from it. In fact, I need new pledges more than ever now that this is my sole source of income. So if you feel like becoming a co-producer and joining the many heaven-bound souls who've signed up so far, then please do. Aside from bragging rights and serious amounts of prayer time from yours truly, you'll also receive emails, bonus Attaboy Clarence shows, there are 40 so far. 
There are ebooks. In fact, I've just released the latest one, which is a full ebook version of Audrey, The Girl Before the Girl. You can also get previews of new shows, specially recorded movie commentaries. I've just done The Thin Man. And you'll get a co-producer credit and you'll get an invite to the monthly film club night where we all gather online in a private screening room and watch a movie that you get to vote for. It's such a great experience. If you're interested, go to patreon.com slash attaboysecrets or follow the instructions at the end of this show today. We would give both of our balls if you would sign up to the Patreon, wouldn't we? Pretty much, yes. So, Lindsay, does that satisfy your curiosity? Yes, I have quit my job to do this full-time, and it's all thanks to you patrons and to the patrons who sign up in the future. And so you all have my eternal and unending thanks for doing that for me. Well, sorry to go on and on. (laughs) I've rambled. But this is huge, and you all deserve my thanks. Thank you. Keep throwing the questions into the question pot, though, by going to attaboyclarence.com and scrolling down the homepage until you see the question pot. Cast your queries with abandon into the murky depths of the pot and receive your answers on this show. So throw your flipping questions into the shiny question pot. You might hear your question next time. So until then, get your thinking cap on for the question pot. Okay, that's the end. I really can't but stay. But baby, it's cold outside. I've got to go but away. But baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been, been hoping that you'd so drop in. very nice. I'll hold your hands. They're just like My ice. mother will start to Beautiful, worry. Beautiful, what's your And hurry? father will be pacing the floor. Listen to the fireplace So roll. really, I'd better scurry. Beautiful, please don't well, hurry. maybe just a half a drink Put more. Put some records on while I The neighbors pour. might think. Maybe it's bad out there. Say, what's in this no drink? No camps to be had out there. I wish I knew your eyes are like starlight to break the spell. I'll take your hat. (gasps) Your hair looks swell. I ought to say no, no, no. Mind if I move in. At least I'm gonna say that I do. What's the sense of hurting my pride? I really can't stay. Baby, don't hold out. Ah, but it's cold outside. I simply must but go. baby, it's cold outside. The answer but is no. baby, it's cold outside. This welcome is been lucky that you dropped So in. nice and warm. Look out the window at that store. My sister will be suspicious. Gosh, your lips look delicious. My brother will be there at the Waves door. Waves upon a tropical shore. My maiden aunt's mind is Ooh, vicious. Ooh, your lips just a cigarette Never more. such a blizzard before. I've got to get but home. But baby, you freeze out there. Say, uh, lend me a it's cold. It's up to your knees out there. You've really been I grand. thrill when you touch my but hand. But don't you see? How can you do this?
closest thing to me. There's bound to be talk tomorrow. Think of my lifelong At sorrow. At least there will be plenty in If you caught pneumonia and I died, really can't get stay. over that old doubt. Ooh, ah, but it's cold And that was Margaret Whiting and Johnny Mercer with Baby It's Cold Outside, a little early in the year perhaps, but terrific song. You know what? Let's throw a movie your way. Now, William Powell's pairing with Myrna Loy is one of the greatest double acts in cinema. They made 14 movies together and were never less than sizzling. But Powell also enjoyed other cinematic couplings, and many of them were equally as enchanting, if not quite as numerous. One of his earliest and most successful was with Kay Francis in the early 30s when they were both in the process of working out where in Hollywood they belonged. They made an impressive seven movies together and they're a diverse bunch of entertainments indeed. Well, I'd like to tell you about two Powell and Francis films today that I particularly love for very different reasons. The first of which is 1932's Jewel robbery. You must know, gentlemen, that our burglar proof system is the most perfect and unusual that has yet been designed by modern science. There is nothing to reveal its presence, even to the most skillful professional burglar, because the electric ray is invisible to the naked eye. Just a moment, sir. I do not wish to be disturbed. Anyone attempting to cross the line would break the ray, the police siren would sound, and the invisible flashlight would illuminate the entire store with a flood of gussing light. I'm sorry, but this is very important, sir. It can wait. It can't wait. Let us extinguish the lights, and I will demonstrate the system. But it's too late. What's too late? The store has just been robbed! In Vienna, the Baroness Terry von Hoffenhels is married to her ultra-rich but somewhat dull baron of a husband. And to alleviate her tedium, Terry has been engaged in a never-ending string of casual affairs. But the baron always knows how to win her heart, and today is no exception. They've just arrived at their favorite jewelers to purchase a prize that Terry has had her eye on for some time, a gigantic 28-carat diamond ring. 28 carats? Really, Terry, you must tell me your secret. Four carats is the best I've been able to do, and that had a flaw in it. What wouldn't a woman do for such a treasure? Oh, anything. I'd deceive my husband with pleasure. A woman would do much more than that. She would tolerate her husband. One? A dozen. But Terry and the Baron aren't the only ones after the ring. Just as they're about to pay for it, the shop is suddenly held up by a suave gentleman robber who rather charmingly steals the contents of the store as well as the heart of Terry herself. I'm not trying to amuse you. To make a clean getaway, would you rather I gag you? Why must you do anything to me? I have no particular desire to see you arrested. Thank you. You've given me a very exciting ten minutes. It will make me the center of interest at teas and dinners for weeks to come. Think how much more interesting your story would be if I brutally gag you. It's a much better story if I could say that you locked the gentleman in the safe and dashed out. Well, you don't actually have to dash. Then everyone will ask you why you didn't call out. That will make you an accomplice after the fact. Oh, that's even more thrilling. So a great setup, seriously great. Bored Baroness meets dashing thief and romance ensues. The great thing about jewel robbery, though, is the twists it takes after the shop is robbed. 
I really will do my best not to spoil any of the later surprises for you, because when you watch it, you'll realize just how great it is to go in cold. Reviewers at the time seem to have been a little lukewarm on it, describing it as a brittle little comedy, and particularly picking on Kay Francis because her character is such a conniving, faithless wife who's only out for the bling. You can hardly blame Kay Francis for a character she didn't write. So unfair. I mean, does she play the character well? Absolutely she does. So blame the writer if you don't like the character. I have to say, this is one of the more fun films I've watched recently. I was glued to it. I really enjoyed the back and forth between Powell and Francis. And as I say, the film is just getting going by the time the robbery is over. I was utterly charmed by it. And by its pre-codeness. I mean, I struggled to find a single moral between any of the lead characters, and I loved that. The Baroness is a self-proclaimed gold digger. The thief, played by William Powell, is an untamable rogue. Even the Baroness's best friend, Marianne, played by the great Helen Vinson, just dumps her friend in danger at the first sign of a scandal. It's an absolute gallery of reprobates, and it is huge fun. So don't be put off by the negative opinions. Surrender a glorious 70 minutes and let it entertain the hell out of you. Jewel Robbery from 1932. Classic. On to a slightly more serious pairing between Powell and Francis from the same year. One of the most remarkable films I've seen in a while, a film that veers wildly between genres, from romance to suspense from tragedy to comedy and everywhere in between, and which somehow triumphs at them all while simultaneously lodging itself forever in your heart. This is the quite brilliant one-way passage from 1932. Why? I'm so sorry. I'm so glad. Such a beautiful drink, too. Yes, paradise cocktail seem to be a few drops left. Always the most precious, last few drops. That's luck. Yes. Uh, my name is Dan. Mine's Joan. Hello, Joan. Hello, Dan. May we uh, drink to our meeting? We should. Here's, here's hail and farewell. Well, that seems a bit ruthless. Let's say... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil too much of the plot here, as again, you really need to go in cold for this one. But the basic plot surrounds two strangers, Joan and Dan, who fall in love at first sight as they're boarding an ocean liner that will transport them both to San Francisco. But these two strangers each have a secret. Dan's secret is that the man he's traveling with is not a friend, but a detective. You see, Dan is an escaped murderer who's been sentenced to hang, and he's on his way to meet the gallows back in San Francisco. Joan's secret is that she's terminally ill and has been given just a few weeks to live. No more parties, no more cigarettes, no more dancing. And no more cocktails. You're cutting your months into weeks, your weeks into days. And my days into hours. Is that it? It is. What you really mean, and you're too kind to say, is that if I stay in my stateroom, lie in bed, deny myself everything, even the, the mildest diversions, 
I may live to arrive at that charming sanitarium. You stated very cruelly. And so, as the two of them make their way ever closer to their respective fates on the other side of the ocean, they both decide to grab at what's left of life without revealing their secrets to the other. I could stay here forever. I wonder. I know it. Would you be content to spend the rest of your life with me in some faraway place? Anywhere, Dad. And that is where I'll stop. Suffice to say that this is a rather incredible story and one that has not just haunted me since I saw it, but changed me slightly. I don't think I've been so profoundly affected by a love story in many years, but this really does possess a power I never saw coming. The story's by Robert Lord, who won an Oscar for this, and it's very well deserved. The genius stroke in the script is that it doesn't spend its entire running time moping around or centering on the morbid nature of the situation. This is very much a story about two people learning to live, and so parts of it are rightly joyful. You have the gradual thawing of the police detective, brilliantly played by Warren Heimer, who himself falls in love with the small-time criminal on board, played by the also-fabulous Aline McMahon. You have Dan and Joan's affair being helped along by the lovable crook Skippy, played by Frank McHugh. Quick, bartender. Give me a drink, quick. Yes, quick, before the fight begins. Yes, sir. There you are, sir. Good, give me another, another one, quick. Quick, before the fight begins. Wait a minute, wait a minute, what fight? The fight between you and me. I can't pay for these drinks. <laughs> and on the boat sails to the cruelest of fates for both of them. And you will find yourself screaming at the screen as chances arise for Dan to escape, if only, as you hear the truth about Dan's crime, if only, at the bitter circumstances regarding Joan's illness, if only. The if-onlys of this film will haunt you always. It's also brilliantly directed by Tay Garnett, who really knows how to tell a story visually. In fact, there are entire scenes of exposition told with nothing more than a few well-chosen camera shots. This is masterful filmmaking. I won't spoil any of the film's secrets, but do make sure you watch it without distractions, as there are callbacks to earlier shots and scenes that will make you gasp in wonder at their cleverness and invention. And I do have to warn you that as long as your heart is not made of flint, then the ending will completely destroy you. It is one of the most romantic films I've ever seen, and I highly, highly recommend you seek it out. I kid you not, if you love to cry, if you love to laugh, if you love to swoon until you're horizontal, if you love to weep, fall in love and lose your heart to the very best that Hollywood had to offer in the 30s, then you owe it to yourself to watch One Way Passage. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. You will love it. Well, the Lux Radio Theatre, that tireless preserver of classic cinema on the air, had the good sense to adapt One Way Passage for its show in 1939, reuniting the film's original stars, William Powell and Kay Francis. So for today's radio treat, let's take a trip across the waves together. 
This is one-way passage then. Get that handkerchief ready and I will see you in San Francisco. Auf Wiedersehen. Lux presents Hollywood. This is a drama of two lives, of Joan Ames and Dan Hardesty, who meet when it is too late, but whose love is greater than destiny. On our stage are William Powell, Kay Francis, William Gargan, and Marjorie Rambo. Miss Norma Shearer, whom we had expected here tonight, is unable to appear due to illness. Between the acts, you'll hear Commander Carl A. Aline of the steamship President Coolidge. Our music is under the direction of Louis Silvers. Nothing makes a woman happier than to know she is lovely and loved. That's why it's so important to a woman to keep her skin beautifully soft and attractive. Nine out of ten screen stars use Lux Toilet Soap because it has active lather that does a thorough job of removing dust, dirt, stale cosmetics. Women everywhere who prize the natural soft beauty of a lovely complexion use Lux Toilet Soap too. Before they renew makeup, always before they go to bed. Make the Hollywood star's beauty care your beauty care. And now, the producer of the Lux Radio Theater. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. <laughs> Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. William Powell broke into movies when a mutual friend introduced him to John Barrymore with the remark, I think Bill would be great for your picture. Mr. Barrymore answered, I wouldn't be at all surprised. So Bill got a job in Sherlock Holmes. And now, as the screen's most civilized detective, is about to do a new Thin Man story for Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. In his pre-picture days, Mr. Powell was an usher, a clerk in a telephone company, and advancing to the stage, once sang as well as acted. His singing career, however, lasted only one night. On the screen and off, Mr. Powell is a master of the soft answer, the well-turned phrase, and is Hollywood's prime dispenser of unruffled calm and worldliness. Tonight he resumes one of his most popular screen roles, Dan Hardesty in One-Way Passage. With Mr. Powell on the screen in One-Way Passage was Kay Francis, who repeats for us tonight her characterization of Joan Ames. Circumstances have kept her from our microphone all too long. But tonight, for the first time, She's here in answer to your numerous requests. Born Catherine Gibbs in Oklahoma City on Friday the 13th, she acquired her inclination for the stage from her mother, a former actress. Miss Francis, an expert tennis player, has an enthusiasm for travel that has carried her across the Atlantic about 20 times. And we're especially fortunate to have that superb actress, Miss Marjorie Rambo, in the part of Betty, and William Gargan as Steve Burke. We raise the curtain now, and the Lux Radio Theater presents William Powell and Kay Francis in One-Way Passage. Singapore, a gay and cosmopolitan city at the southern tip of the Malay Peninsula. In an expensive suite at the American Hotel, a young girl has just finished dressing for the evening. She stands a moment looking at her reflection in the mirror. Then, with a sudden movement, as though she just made up her mind about something, she flings a fur cape about her shoulders and turns quickly toward the door. As she reaches it, the door opens, and a man enters quietly. Oh, hello. Good evening, Joan. Going out? It looks as if I am. I hardly ever wear these clothes to bed, you know. Now, sit down a moment, Joan. Now, Doctor, please don't lecture me. There's not a thing you can do about it, really. And I don't want to see that awful stethoscope again. I just want to take your pulse. Please. 
All right. You might have told me you were going out, and where? I don't know where. Just out. Will you be late? Perhaps. I've met a few people I used to know back in San Francisco. They want to show me the town. Our boat sailed at midnight, so you can expect to see me about 11.30. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't do any good, I suppose, to ask you not to go. But I've told them that I would. Still, I must ask you, Joan. Oh, doctor, for heaven's sake, don't start again. I'm so sick of hearing about it all the time. My life is my own concern. And mine. I followed you halfway around the world to prove it. And you've been paid for it. Paid well. Yes. However, that's not the only reason I came. Oh, that was a nasty thing I said. Please forgive me. Of course. Joan, look at me. Your father asked me to come on this trip, hoping that I'd be able to do something for you. Well, I haven't. I've tried, but it's been no good. And it's time that you knew the truth. You're a very sick girl, Joan. Your heart's in very bad shape, even worse than when we left home. I'm sorry I have to tell you this, but it's best that you know. You think it's news to me, Dr. Bolton? What? I've known it for weeks. Perhaps even before you did. But, but you've done nothing to help yourself. I don't understand that. Well, what would you suggest, Doctor? The things I have suggested time and again. Rest. Complete and absolute rest. No more dancing, no more cigarettes, no more parties, no more cocktails. You mean I'm to be kept to my bed? Yes, Joan. Then what? There's a beautiful spot just outside of San Francisco, a sanitarium. I see. Oh, but not a depressing place. Oh, I know. I'm quite sure it's charming. And if I go on living as I have been... You're cutting your months to weeks and your weeks to days. And my days to hours. Is that it? It is. What you actually mean, and you're too kind to say, is this. If I do as you say, lie in bed, deny myself everything, even the mildest diversions, I may live to enjoy that charming institution. You state it very cruelly. <laughs> well, it isn't much compensation for such self-denial. You must decide that, my dear. I have decided. And that's why I'm going out tonight and tomorrow Joan! And... Oh, doctor, look at me. Not as one of your patients, but as a person, a woman. Do you know how old I am? I brought you into the world, my dear. I'm 24. 24, doctor. And I haven't even started to live. Now you offer me a few months more. A few months of living without knowing why. It's a ghastly thought, isn't it? Doctor, there must be something. Some plan. Some reason. Some scheme behind this life of ours. Well, I want to know what it is. Perhaps I never will. There's so little time left to me. But I'd rather die living than live dying, hanging on to an empty life on a hospital bed. You understand, don't you? <laughs> or am I being morbid? I think you're being very brave, Joe. Not really, but thank you. Good night, Doctor. Miss Jones? The usual. Uh, paradise cocktails, already in waiting. Did you lose your party, Miss Jones? Yes. They were making a bit too much noise. Well, you come to a good spot. I don't care how much racket they make in the main room, but the bar is sacred. <laughs> Here you are. Thanks. I'll have it at this table. I'll see you later, Joe. Good up, Miss. Oh! Say, why don't you look where you're... Oh. 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 I'm so sorry. I'm so glad. Well, <laughs> I spilled your drink. Most of it. It was such a nice drink, too. What was it? A paradise cocktail. Paradise. I couldn't imagine a more appropriate moment to drink the last few drops. May I? It's all yours. 
Just hoping you get everything you want. I've got it. Do you always break the glass after drinking? Only when words fail me. Mike? Yes, Mom? Uh, give me a glass. Right away. That makes us even. <laughs> My name's Dan. Mine's Jones. Hello, Joan. Hello, Dan. How's your dress? Splendid. I always look well in what I drink. Well, what'll it be, Dan? Two of the same. Paradise cocktails. Right. What is that? Nectar and ambrosia? Might be. You can't trust these foreign bars, you know. American girl? 100%. If you're ever in San Francisco, make my home your home. Ames is the name. My mother warned me against well-dressed strangers. And my mother warned me against men who burst through swinging doors. You always burst in on people that way? No, but I think I'll make a habit of it. Hey, Joan, better get going. Your boat sails in half an hour. Right there. You mean that you're leaving Singapore? On the Maloa. And the Maloa's bound for... Of course, San Francisco. That's where I cut my first tooth. Where I learned to parse Latin verbs. And where... That's where the fog wraps the hills in, warm and snug. Muffles the sound of the mission bells. It's where the gulls circle over the Golden Gate. It's home. For you, too, isn't it? Ah, uh, not anymore. What do you say, Joan? You don't want to miss the boat, you know. You don't want to miss the boat, do you, Joan? I don't know. I've missed them before. Hurry up, will you? Paradise for two. Let's drink to that. Yes. Paradise for two. Bye, Dan. Goodbye, Joan. Another drink, Dan. All right, Hardesty, stay right where you are. Well. Hello, Steve. Keep your hands in the air, Dan. Hey, what's the matter here? It's all right, Mike. You can put the rod away, Steve. After I put you away, hold out your hand. I've got a bracelet for it. Wait a second. I'll roll up my sleeve for you. It's been a long chase, Dan. But a guy can't do what you've done to get away with it. Yeah, so it seems. Come on. Slip him on, Dan. Sure. Why, you... Look out, Dan. He's got a rod and he'll use it. I hate to do this, Dan, but you asked for it. <clears throat> now, Danny boy, will you come along peaceful-like? Stephen, I guess you win. I always win. <clears throat> You should have known better than to try anything like that on me. Don't try another break, dude. I'll blow you in two. I'd just as leave deliver you in a basket. Mm, not a chance. Just make one false move. Go on. Just one. I'm tame. Now what? The boat. And then San Quentin. Can I get my clothes? They're on the boat. I put them there just before I came to collect you. Consider it. Yeah. I don't think you'll find I've overlooked anything. Baby, you sure stuck to my tail. Sure. You never heard of Steve Burke dogging it, did you? You're a wonder. I thought I ditched you sure back in Paris. Oh, no. When I left Frisco, the chief says to me, Steve, don't come back alone, and he knew I would. Fine work, Sergeant. Mike, pick the man a drink. Never mind that. We're in a hurry. The boat sails in 20 minutes. 20? What boat are we going on? The Maloa. Ready? The Maloa? <laughs> oh. Bye-bye, Mike. See you around. We stay chained together, Steve. Are these cuffs permanent? You'll get used to them. I ain't taking any chances with you. They broke five of my pals when you escaped. Well, that wasn't right. They did all they could. They were shooting at me for three blocks. 
Unlucky, that's all. They missed me. Lucky for you I wasn't among them. Thanks. You know, the one thing I don't understand is how a nice guy like you can get yourself in such a jam. You ain't a mug. You're a right guy. And you could have hey, been one of the best... Don't near that rail, please. Huh? What's the matter, sailor? Oh, you haven't put the pins in yet, sir. You lean on that rail and you're liable to go clean over. Okay. What are you looking at, Dan? Huh? Oh, I was just looking down. Your long drop, wouldn't it? Yeah. Kind of gives you the shivers. Yeah. Get back a little. We're still chained together and I can't swim. You can't? Well... Look, look down, Steve. Hey, look out. Get away from that rail. Steve. Oh! Get overboard! Get overboard! Get overboard! There they are! Down there! Get a life preserver! On the level. All right. Well, keep your chin up, Steve. Rattler. I am, sir. <coughs> you all right? Me? Sure. You all right, sir? <coughs> yeah. McDonald. Okay. Yes, sir. See that these two gentlemen get to their stateroom. Yes, sir. This way, sir. What number is that? You see how inconvenient those handcuffs were, Steve? You wouldn't have fallen in the water with me if we hadn't been hitched. How am I going to know you get dizzy spells? Hey, the handcuffs, where are they? You know, if something happened to me, you'd be in for it, Steve. The handcuffs, where are the handcuffs? I don't know. You don't know. My key, that's gone too. Listen, Steve, I couldn't let you drown, could I? I took the key out of your pocket while we were underwater so I could rescue you. You'd have drowned if I hadn't got my hands free. The bracelets, what did you do with them? I let them sink. Was them or you? Look, Dan, you didn't drag me off that deck on purpose, did you? Oh, Steve, would I do a thing like that? I don't know. But I got another pair of cuffs in my bag, see? You're not sore at me, are you? Well, you could have let me sink after you got free. I guess maybe I owe you a little favor. It doesn't amount to a thing. Only your life. But you can do me a little favor, if you like. If it's in reason. You know, Steve, uh... Handcuffs don't look so good on a well-dressed man. That's what I hate for anybody on the ship to know. Understand? Besides, once this ship is at sea, there's not a chance in the world for me to get away. It's sort of tough on both of us to be ironed. What do you say? Well, all right, then. But if you make one false step, just one, I'll knock you off cold. <laughs> Thank you, Steward. His name was Dan Hardesty. Yes, miss. I didn't know, of course. The doctor said you weren't to be disturbed. And oh, I... but I am. Very much disturbed. What's that, miss? That'll be all, Steward. Yes. Who's that, John? The steward. A very bright and interesting steward. <laughs> well, you seem quite pleased about something. I am pleased. Pleased with myself and with life. Doctor, the picture you painted back in Singapore was drab and ugly. But I've just seen a picture of happiness. Glorious happiness. Even though it lasts for only a few days. The length of this voyage, it'll be worth it. Are you sure, Joan? So very, very sure. Come in. Oh, bonsoir, Cherie. Are you ready? In a moment. Oh, Countess Marie House, uh, may I introduce Dr. Bolton? How do you do? Oh, come on, uh, The Countess is going to introduce me to some of the very gayest people. Good night, Doctor. Good night, my dear. Good night, Doctor. 
And it's called a paradise cocktail, bartender. Yes, miss. I got two, please. Uh, yes, sir. Well, hello, Dan. Hello, Joan. I hear you've been looking for me. Hi and low. How's every little thing? Just fine. Your folks? Oh, great. That's good. You're looking well, Dan. Never felt better. Putting on weight? Oh, just a little, here and there. <laughs> so this is Dan Hardesty, an old friend of mine. I met him last night. And this is Joan Ames. I've known her all my life. Very nice cocktail. This doesn't happen, does it? It's never happened before. Never. It's all our own. Original creation by fate. Yesterday, I... I've never even seen you. Before yesterday, I didn't exist. I didn't either. I feel as if I'd been away for years and years. And now I, I'm going home. Home? Like those gulls out there, flying free ahead of the ship. No, not like that. They've got the wrong idea, Joan. They're in too great a hurry to see what's behind the next cloud. That's not safe. Flying into tomorrow. It's today that counts, Joan. Today and what we are now. I see. Then here's to us, from Singapore to Frisco. To the steamship Maloa and our one-way passage. All right. Luck, Dan. Health, Joan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my oh, Countess, may I present Mr. Dan Hardesty? Dan Hardesty? What? Hardesty. Uh, Dan, this is the Countess Beryl House. Delighted. Charm. Oh, uh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, thank you, Monsieur. Uh, thank you. Oh, Monsieur Skipworth, come here, please. This is Monsieur Mademoiselle Ames and Monsieur Dan Hardesty. Oh, how do you do? Would you care to dance, Miss Ames? Why, uh, why, of course. Excuse me, will you, Dan? Yes. Take care of them, Countess. Oh, certainly, my dear. Take care of me, Countess. Countess Barrel House. Also known in some circles as Barrel House Betty. Damn! For Pete's sake, <laughs> shut up. I thought I'd recognize Mrs. Skipworth, too. Isn't that ace-high Skippy from Chicago? Well, what of it? How long have you been working this racket, Betty? Well, I've taken to bridge. They don't mind losing to a Countess. Ah, you aren't thinking of taking Miss Ames, are you? Certainly not. She's much too charming, and besides, she doesn't play. See that you don't teach her. Dan, you're not going to give us away, are you? Don't worry, Countess. Your honor is safe with me. Hiya, Dan. Oh, uh, uh Countess, uh, may I present Mr. Stephen Burke, my, uh, traveling companion. The Countess Barrel uh, House. Uh. Oh, a Countess. Well, how do you do, Your Highness? No, 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 no. Not Highness to my friend, Monsieur Burke. Just Countess. Well, that certainly is nice of you, Countess. I don't suppose you'd like to dance. Oh, we will, but of course. Oh, swell. Let's get away from here, Skippy. Did you see that mug I was dancing with? Sure. I know him. He's the toughest copper out of Frisco. Name's Burke. Do you think it's a pinch? Nothing else. They've been looking for Hardest Day for a long time. A tough rap? Yeah, the toughest. Murder. Murder? Yeah. If we call it that, for corking the dirtiest squealing heel that ever lived, that guy had it coming. And he was out to get Dan. It was self-defense, too, but Dan couldn't prove it. Any chance of beating the rap? No, not one in a million. It's all over. 
He's already been sentenced. Well, then how? Well, he broke while they were taking him to San Quentin. Mm, so it's the rope, huh? Yeah, the rope. Great guy, too. He came to the front for me once in Chicago. I wish I could pay him off some way. Look, there he is, over by the rail, with her again. Look at him. He's got everything. Strength and courage, youth. Everything that makes life fit to live. Aren't they gorgeous? Stars? Yeah. Funny I never saw them before. They seem bigger to me tonight, too. They seem so close and, and everything else so far away. All the little, petty, mean things of life. The struggle, the sordidness. That's gone tonight. And there are just the stars and the sea. And us. Everything's so beautiful. There's no trouble in the whole world tonight, is there? No hopelessness, no tragedy. I'm happy, Dan. Really happy. Before our stars return in Act Two, I'd like you to listen in with me at the house of a charming young bride here in Hollywood. She's been giving her first party. Now. Betty, Betty, dear, it, it was a lovely party, but it's good to be alone again. Oh, darling, it was fun, wasn't it? Oh, you poor kid, I bet you're tired. Why wouldn't you be? The boys just danced you off your feet. And I know why, too. Because you're, you're so sweet. What a clever little woman Betty is. Of course, a man wants to dance with and wants to be near a woman who is dainty and sweet. It's so easy, too, to protect this most appealing of all charms the way lovely screen stars do. Such famous beauties as Joan Blondell, Loretta Young, and Dorothy L'Amour use Lux Toilet Soap, their complexion soap, as a bath soap, too. Its active lather carries away dust, dirt, and perspiration. Leaves skin fresh, smooth, really sweet. Try Lux Toilet Soap for your daily beauty bath. You'll love the delicate, clinging fragrance it leaves on the skin. Mr. DeMille. Act Two of One-Way Passage, starring William Powell and Kay Francis, with William Gargan and Marjorie Rambeau. Steamship Maloa proceeds slowly eastward. A one-way passage for Dan Hardesty, condemned to death at San Quentin. A one-way passage for Joan Ames, Every beat of her heart, bringing her closer to the end. Dan and Joan know nothing of each other's destiny, content with their stolen holiday on the brink of eternity. It's early evening. Storm clouds are gathering on the horizon as Steve Burke and Dan pace the deck slowly. I do 40 turns around the deck a day. Keeps in shape. <laughs> What's the percentage of keeping me in shape? Well, exercise is better for you than staying up all night, mooning around on deck like last night. No, you're wrong, Steve. There was nothing better for me than last night. I don't know how to figure you out. You're making it a lot tougher for yourself. I suppose you know that. You know what's waiting for you in San Quentin, Dan. Sure. Oh, here you are. Hello, Joan. I was waiting over there. 
I never could get port and starboard right. Now, this is Mr. Burke, Miss Joan Ames. How do you do? Glad to meet you, Miss Ames. Mr. Burke's an old friend of mine. We're uh, traveling together. How nice. Yeah, we're together all the time. Practically inseparable. Well, will you loan me Dan for the evening? I'll send him back to you in good condition. Oh, well, uh, I don't know, Miss Ames. You see, uh, Dan and I, uh, uh, I mean... Uh, uh, he means he gets very lonely. Uh, isn't that it, Steve? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, monsieur, monsieur, oh, monsieur Burke. Oh, hello, Countess. Oh, I thought I would find you here. Didn't you promise to take me to dinner? Yeah, sure, but... Uh, oh, well, monsieur Burke. Uh, well, uh, okay, uh, delighted. Uh, don't get lost, Dan. Don't worry. Come along, Monsieur Burke. Uh, goodbye, Jean. Uh, bonsoir, Monsieur. Uh, uh, goodbye, Carlos. <laughs> the Carlos has taken quite a fancy to Mr. Burke. Uh, they make an interesting couple. I guess so. Well, shall we go on with the walk, or, or shall we stand and admire the coming storm? May not be so bad. Look, it's clear out that way. Just one little patch. There with the sun setting. Going down down. The day knows how to go out, doesn't it? In a blaze of glory. Stop me if I'm going poetic on you, but but life is wonderful, Dan. And its best moment is when we find it out. Now the sun's gone, and there'll be no stars tonight. Does it matter? They were only stars. They're not real, like you. <laughs> Poor Dan. I wonder if I'm as real as you think I am. Tonight you are. Tomorrow you may be only a dream. But you'd make a lovely dream, Joan. Thank you. It's been fun, hasn't it, these last few days? I wish I've ever had in my life. Mine, too. And it'll be wonderful tomorrow in Honolulu. Yes. Yes, won't it? Well, you don't sound very enthusiastic. <laughs> well, I, uh... I just thought of something that might keep me on board. Oh, no. Oh, don't worry, I'll get out of it. Just think. A whole afternoon and evening together. That's the longest we've ever had, Dan. Sure, but... Well... We've got a couple of hours tonight. Why worry about tomorrow? Why bother about anything? Oh! Oh! <laughs> that was close. <laughs> Want to go in? No. Let's stand here and watch it. It's magnificent, isn't it? Splendid and savage. Frightened? Why should I be? I don't know. Everybody has pet fears. I got over mine. What was it? This might sound sort of silly. No, tell me. I used to be afraid of dying. What, you? So much of life ahead of you? Oh, but I'm not anymore. I found that there's nothing to be afraid of. You're pretty sure? When you get the courage to look death in the face, you see beyond the cold and the blackness. And it's beautiful. Something too shining to look at. A release and, and gentle. There's the rain. That's gentle, too, isn't it? Maybe you're right about death being beautiful. I hope you are. I know I am. Thank you. 
finish your book. Well, hello, Countess. All set to go ashore? If you can wait just a few minutes, please. I am looking for Dan Odyssey. Jean's waiting on the dock for him. Oh, yeah? Have you seen him? Yeah, I've seen him. Well, will you please to ask him to hurry, please? Jean's getting anxious. Countess, I wish there was something I could do. I wish for the first time in my life that I wasn't a cop. Oh, you? A policeman? Sergeant Burke, I'm dragging Dan Hardesty back to San Quentin. Hmm, but San Quentin, isn't that a prison? Yeah, but Dan won't be in it long. He'll be swinging for murder. Murder? Monsieur Burke. Yeah, that's what makes it so tough. You never beat this rap, and your friends fell for him. Oh, Monsieur Burke, Steve. At least you let them have this one day to remember. You let them have today ashore in Honolulu. Dan Hardesty ain't going ashore. Ah, oh, but Steve. Oh, now, now, listen, baby. Uh, I mean, Connors, uh, Honolulu's the last stop before Frisco. If Dan broke, well, they they kind of break me, and you know? I can't take any chances. But how will you keep him aboard? I already got him locked up in the brig. Oh, the brig? Oh, yes. You mean the ship jail. Yeah. And the key to the brig is right here in my pocket. Oh, well, there's nothing to be done, is there? Nope. You ready, Countess? Oh, certainly. Oh, 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 oh. My ankle. Hey, take it easy. What happened? Oh, I twisted my ankle. Oh, old Miss Steve. Oh, it's a pleasure, Countess. Oh, Steve. You are very strong. Do you know that? Well, I I know exactly no Apollo. Uh, how's the ankle, uh, honey? Oh, it will be all right. Just just let me go back to my room for a moment. I will meet you on the dock. Okay. Come in, Mr. Burke. Well, what's the matter out there? You got the wrong key? Shut up. Who is it? It's me, the Countess. Betty. Shut up. I got the key in this sardine can if I can ever make it work. The key? Where'd you get it? Out of Burke's pocket. How'd you do it? Never mind now. Let me do the talking. I've got to get back to Steve and slip this key back in his pocket. What's the plan? Now, you lay low in here till the crowd goes ashore. Then beat it. I'll tell Joan to meet you at Dick's joint. Not that dive. Yeah, that dive. No one else from the ship will be there. Now, I've got it figured out how you can make a break for it. A break? How do you mean? Oh, Dick will play ball with you. He runs a tramp scheme, a steamer out of Honolulu to Mexico. Get him to uh, book your passage on it. Betty, you're a real pal. Ah, forget it, will you? Now I've got to get back to that flatfoot. <laughs> He's not such a bad guy when you get to know him. Well, so long, Dan. Lots of luck. Thanks, Betty. I'll need it. Tramp leaves a few minutes before the Maloa sails. Is that right, Dick? Yeah, that's right. The crew's aboard. They can be trusted? They're all my men. Good. Where's your money? I'll tell the captain. What's his name? Mallory. He'll be expecting you. I guess you know what this means to me, Dick. Ah, skip it. Any pal of Betty's a pal of mine. Oh, beg pardon. Missy Ames would like to see this gentleman. Oh, that must be the skirt you're expecting. Oh, Joan. Joan. Over here. Good luck, lad. Thanks. Hello, Dan. Betty told me to meet you here. Joan, I had no business asking you to come to this dive. <laughs> Am I forgiven? Of course. If you'll go with me to a certain cove I know, across the poly and down the hill, it's quiet there. The sand is whiter and the sea is bluer. 
I'd like to see it again with you. Any place you say. Here. See what I ordered for you. Paradise cocktail. <laughs> well, here's hoping you have everything you want, Dan. I've got it. <laughs> I win. That one broke over the rocks. Pay me. What did you say? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? Oh, Dan. This is such a lovely place. I'd be content to stay here forever. Would you? I wonder. I know it. Joan, would you be content to spend the rest of your life with me? In some far off, out of the way place? Of course, Dan. Anywhere. But you're so serious. I could send for you. Send for me? You see, dear, there are certain things that may take me halfway around the world. Mexico. Then don't send for me, Dan. I'll go with you there. Now, that's settled. Joan, darling, I, I've if got it's to serious, I don't want to hear it. Not today. But, Joan, I've got so much to say to you. And so little time to say it you. We don't need words, do we? But there's something I want you to know about me. I know all there is to know about you. But you don't, Joan. I know how your eyes crinkle when you look down at me like this, and how your hair waves off your forehead so that I want to touch it, and that your shoulders are broad enough to shut out the whole world. And that proves how little you know. I know I love you for as long as forever is. John. Well, I suppose we should be going back. I suppose so. Look, the sun is going down. Can't you stop it? Afraid <laughs> I haven't much influence. Our day is ending. Well, what's this? Tears? I can't help being oh. a little sad. It's, it's been such a happy day. Doc, the Malo is down further. Aren't you lost? No. No, I'm not lost, Joan. You've got to go to the ship alone from here. But what about you? Joan, let me hold you close. I've been trying to tell you something all day. I'm not going back on the ship. Not going back? I can't. You mean... You mean you're leaving me? Now? For good? Oh, Joan, darling, please let me tell you. Oh, let me... Dad! Joan. Joan. Joan, what's the matter? Joan. Dan Hollisey, I'm Captain Mallory. Captain, have you got a doctor on board? No, I haven't. What's the matter? Oh, girl fainted? Yes, I've got to get a doctor. Not around here, mister. Nearest one I know would be on the Maloa. Maloa? All right. Thanks. 
Hey, wait a minute. You can't go back there. It's suicide. Why, you'll get that? Hey, wait. Come back. Hey. Will you please? All right, please stand Dan. back. Back in the break for you. Steve, listen. Tell Jones' doctor. How did you get out? Never mind. I'll get a doctor. She's sick, you hear? Help me to get her to her room. Dan. Come in, Steve. How is she? No word yet. Doctor's still with her. I'm sorry, Dan, and it's okay about. Uh, I mean, uh, well. You can stay here as long as you want. Thanks. You've been swell, Steve. See you later. What, Doctor? Nothing's happened. I just wanted to have a little talk with you. Yes? I want you to help me, Mr. Hardesty. Anything. Joan's condition is desperate. You're the only one that can prescribe for her. Tell me what to do. She must have absolute rest and quiet if she's to reach the mainland alive. She survived this attack, but it isn't humanly possible that she could survive another. The slightest excitement might kill her. A shock surely would. May I depend on you? I... Oh, yes, of course. Thank you. But oh, wait. Doctor, I... I've got to tell you this. There is a shock coming. And through me. I'm under arrest, Doctor. When this ship pulls in, I'll be met by the police. Taking the San Quentin. What's that? Yes. I'm to be hanged. Murder. Station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. We've just concluded the second act of One Way Passage. Kay Francis and William Powell will be heard in Act Three very shortly. And now Mr. DeMille is getting ready to interview his special guest of the evening. But first, let me say just a word to every girl and woman listening in. Some time ago, someone asked several of the Hollywood screen stars this question. What do you think it is that a woman wants most out of life? What is most important to her? Maybe you think the answer was a successful career or fame or wealth. No. Claudette Colbert said... What does a woman want most? Love, of course. And Loretta Young said love. And Andrea Leeds said love. Then these famous beauties all agreed that soft, smooth skin is important in winning love and in holding it. They said this, all women want love, don't they? Then why do they risk spoiling romance? Cosmetic skin is so unattractive. Screen stars use cosmetics, of course, but they use Lux toilet soap because it has active lather. It removes dust and dirt, stale cosmetics thoroughly. Guards against the pore choking that causes cosmetic skin. 
dullness, little blemishes, enlarged pores. Are you giving your complexion the gentle, thorough care it needs? Are you using Lux Toilet Soap regularly? And now Mr. DeMille will interview our guest of the evening. We left the Joan and Dan of our play somewhere in the Pacific on a luxurious liner bound for San Francisco. Tonight's guest in a few days will be retracing their identical course when he sails on a seven-weeks cruise for Hawaii and the Orient. He is Carl A. Arlene, who during his 52 years at sea has risen from cabin boy on the sailing vessel to commander of the largest American ship on the, on the Pacific, the steamship President Coolidge of the American President Line. Commander Arlene has covered millions of miles at sea and was captain of the first American relief ship to reach Belgium during the World War. As commander of the President Coolidge, he's responsible for the safety and comfort of 1,000 passengers, people of every type and every station. Yes, and of all the drama of life, can and does happen on shipboard, happiness, sorrow, adventure. And romance? Uh, it's coming to that. My happiest memories are those of hundreds of men and women who happened to meet each other aboard of my ships, who found the right person, the person they never seemed to be able to find on land. Mm -hmm. In partnership with Cupid, are you? I should say not. The captain has got too much to do with uh, button into people's lives. It's the sea, water, sun, moon, stars, and that salt wind. Somehow, they, they get you, Mr. Mill. Well, our shipboard romance is the real thing, Commander. Or just seagoing hallucinations. Boat. It's been my luck to meet any number of passengers the second time. People who met, married, and are coming back as husband and wife. Then there's another sort of romance. I remember a girl who met a young fellow aboard, the wrong kind. She thought she was in love with him and sent a wireless to her family. They were going to be married when the ship reached the man's destination, Singapore. The family sent several messages pleading with me to try and stop it. It's none of my business, but the captain has to be a lot of things besides the man who runs the ship. When the boat reached Singapore, the man went ashore and returned in a few hours to get the girl. But in the meantime, we had succeeded in exposing him, and the girl, I'm happy to say, joined us in really telling him off. Now, what's been your experience with criminals, men like Dan, who take your boat for any purpose but pleasure? I wish they were all as well-behaved as Dan. Just a couple of months ago, the Filipino authorities turned, over a turned a criminal over to me, who had broken parole and fled the country. Whenever it's necessary, the captain of a ship assumes the authority of a United States Deputy Marshal to complete charge of the prisoner. This fellow gave me a fit. He escaped when we tied up at Hong Kong, tried it again in Japan, and he claimed he was an alien hoping to be deported. But at last he called it quits and is now doing time. Then, too, we have to keep our eyes open for narcotic smugglers. That must keep you pretty busy. And you have your, your crew to handle also. Yes, but fortunately, American sailors are men we can well be proud of. Their only bugaboo are the seagoing superstition the haunt, that haunt old sailors. They still hate like the Dickens to leave port on Friday. The black cat is poisoned. The one thing worse, the cross-eyed sailor. And of course, they hate to find the old man on the wrong side of the deck. The old man is the captain on the wrong side of the deck is wherever he happens to be when he's not expected there. Well, Mr. DeMille, you've entertained many of my passengers and me on countless evenings at sea. We picked up this program as far away from home as Japan, so it's been a real pleasure to have actually taken part. Thank you. Thank you. 
Bruce Sailing Commander. William Powell and Kay Francis in One-Way Passage with William Gargan and Marjorie Rambo. A few days have passed. The steamship Maloa glides evenly through the Blue Pacific. Only one day from San Francisco. On the upper deck, Dan and Joan are seated side by side. They aren't talking very much, but Joan is smiling. A calm, quiet smile, born of a deep understanding. Thinking about something? Thinking about you. How lovely you are. That's worth a penny. You know, I feel up to a game of shuffleboard, if you'd like it. What do you say we just sit and think? Hmm? <laughs> Old Dr. Hardesty. You're getting more like Bolton every day. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. Hey, look out, son. Oh, 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 oh. I could see that flop coming. Now, come on, up you go. Oh, you're not going to cry, are you? Of course you're not. Big man like you. <laughs> Give him to me, Dan. Let me hold him. Now, tell me all about it. I hurt my knee. Well, now, that's not too bad, is it? Let me see. Is that it? That black and blue spot? No, it's here. Oh. Well, what's this one? That's from yesterday. <laughs> I see. Well, now, what do you want to do? Shall we see the doctor and let him put a bandage on it, or... Or do you just want to sit here with me until it gets better? Hmm? Sit here with you. <laughs> That's oh. a big boy. <laughs> well, you seem to have a way with kids. <laughs> it's just a matter of liking them, I guess. When I was eight, they used to call me Mother Joan. I had a doll hospital for all the kids in the neighborhood. And I'll never forget the time that I shocked the family at a Christmas dinner. I suddenly announced that I was going to have 17 children. <laughs> What's the matter, Dan? Oh, nothing. I was just trying to picture you as a kid. Dan, I've been wanting to ask you, did, um, did Dr. Bolton say anything to you about me? What do you mean? About my fainting the other day. You see, he, um, well, he, he won't tell me anything, and I, I thought he might have mentioned something that, that I ought to know. Well, he didn't say anything to me. Oh, Oh, I am glad. Have your handbag is ready, please. Customs inspection on the dock. Oh, Stuart, what time do we dock, please? About an hour, madam. Have your handbag is ready. One hour more. Yeah. I always kind of hate to see the end of a trip like this. Kind of sad like, lonesome. It will be more lonesome for Dan and June. That's what I was thinking. You know, I guess I'm all through being a copper countess. Through? Why, Steve? Oh, I don't know. But after what's happened, I... I, I guess I wouldn't enjoy being the law anymore. I was kind of wondering if... Uh, well, uh, I was going to ask you... Uh, uh, you see, uh, the ranch is more than half paid for and... Uh, a ranch? Yeah, I got a chicken ranch in Petaluma. Ha! Huh. A chicken ranch. That sounds like fun. Well, it might be. If you had the right kind of company, I was thinking of you. Me? Would it be fun for you, too? Oh, Steve, I would like it so much. But you know nothing of me. 
Perhaps someday I can tell you. Until then, thank you. Wait, wait. If you're going to tell me all about your past, well, mine ain't been no better violets either. What do you say we forget about it and start from scratch? What do you say, uh, Betty? Betty? You luck. You mean... You mean you're new? Sure. You don't think I'm falling for no royalty, do you? Oh, Steve. <laughs> Look, Dad. There it is. The Golden Gate. It really is golden, isn't it? It really is. I remember an old song. Keep those golden gates wide open. Keep, Keep those, those golden, golden gates, gates ajar. Yes, I remember that one, too. I was born in San Francisco. You know, when I was a youngster, I always thought they were singing about this gate. I thought it was the only one. I hope you were wrong. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> well, we were going to have a last toast. Come on. You look sad, Dan. What is it? I was only thinking how grand this trip's been. Now it has to end. But we'll be together. I wish we could. But we've planned on it. Joan, I've got to go to Mexico. That business I should have attended to in Honolulu. You mean I... I won't see you in San Francisco at all? As soon as the boat docks, I've got to leave you. But you're... You're only going to Mexico. That's all. Uh, yes. Then we'll meet there. I'll meet you in, uh, in Agua Caliente. All right. Agua Caliente. New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Said, Dan? Yeah, I am if you are. Okay. We better slip these bracelets on. You have to do that, Steve? I got a delivery according to Hoyle. This ain't no petty loss in rap. All right. Uh, try to keep her from seeing it, will you? I'll do my best, Dan. Thanks, Steve. You're a swell guy. Dan? Uh, Dan, are you in there? Dan, may I see you for a moment? Oh, Dan. Excuse me, ma'am, but uh, are you looking for Mr. Hardesty? Yes. Do you know where he is? No, ma'am. But I know where he's going to be. Right up on deck in front of me, very eyes, his friend, his pal, you might say, takes out a pair of handcuffs. Snap, snap, and he's a prisoner. What do you say? Not Mr. Hardesty? The very same, ma'am. And a finer gentleman you wouldn't wish to see. And him a red-handed murderer. He's on his way now, ma'am. San Quentin, they say. And the hangman's noose. No! Oh, dear God, no. Oh, I'm sorry, Mum. Uh, uh, can I get you something? No, no. Just tell me quickly. Wh which way did he go? Toward the gangplank, Mum. But you'll never find him in that crowd. You'll never find him, Mum. Percy! Percy, have you seen Mr. Hardesty? I'm sorry, Miss Ames. I haven't seen him since this morning. Oh, Doctor. Dr. Bolton! Oh, Joan. Joan, what's happened? Dan, where is he? I've got to see him. Joan, you mustn't excite yourself. Oh, there he is. There he is, down there. Dan! Dan, wait! Wait for me, Dan! Joan! Dan. Joan, darling. Oh, they said you'd gone. Oh, Dan. Joan, dear. It's all right. I, 
I'm all right now. I just... I just wanted to, to see you once more. I love you, Dad. I love you, Joan. Goodbye, darling. No, not goodbye. I'll be the same. Until New Year's. Yes. Yes, that's right. Agua Caliente. New Year's. I'll be the same, Dan. I'll be there. I'll be waiting, Dan. I'll be the same. Are you all right? I saw him. I said goodbye. But now he's gone. He's gone. Joan. Joan. Is there anything I can do, Doctor? No. It's too late. There's nothing anyone can do. Happy New Year, Betty. Funny to be spending it down here in Agua Caliente. If things had been different, maybe Dan and Joan would have been here with us. They wanted to so much. Two cocktails. Hola, senorita. Hola, senor. Thanks. Here's to Dan. Here's to Joan. Senor, please, to watch the glasses. I didn't break any glasses. Why? Why, neither did I. Pardon, senorita. It was over here. You see, those two glasses, they were standing on the bar. Now they are broke. There you are. I cannot... Oh, Steve. Oh, I feel so strange. They always used to break their glasses like that. Joan and Dan. How much they loved each other. Yeah. They taught us what love means. They still love, Steve. I know it. Away off somewhere where people who love each other always meet again. Oh, Steve, they knew what love is. Those two. And that was the remarkable one-way passage from the Lux Radio Theatre, starring the peerless William Powell and Kay Francis. Amazing stuff. Well, just time to remind you to go on over and enter the Audrey Hepburn competition. And if you do feel like signing up as a patron and earning yourself some bonuses, as well as supporting this very show, I'd be so grateful. For more details, listen on to the end of this show. It just remains for me to say a very large thank you for joining me this week. Take awfully good care of yourselves, and I will see you very soon. Bye for now. Not goodbye, dear. I'll be your soon. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month. And in return, you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and ebooks. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you.
As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.